Um, I'm going to do my story on Kenneth James Parks. Uh, Kenneth James Parks is born in 1964. I don't know when. However, uh, he, if you want to get a visual of him, strawberry blonde hair, mustache. This is circa 1987, by the way. So imagine kind of the shaggy haircut with the mustache look. Um, but he was a big boy. He was six foot five and 280 pounds. So Damn. he was a big boy. Um, his mother-in-law actually called him her gentle giant. So, um, uh, that was what he was, uh, referred to as by her. Um, he is married to her daughter, uh, Karen Woods, and, um, they were married for a little while. I didn't, I didn't, they didn't show exactly how long they were married or uh, the events of the story, but, um, she was pregnant. Um, this story starts in around 1986, uh, in Ontario, Canada. And, um, Kenneth liked to go to the horse track and bet and he won big one time in 1986 uh won a nice chunk of cash and that fueled his um uh his uh gambling addiction and uh he soon had spent up all of his uh, savings for uh, for him and his wife um he was obviously trying to cover his bets and whatnot so obviously you keep going down 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 so he turned to his workplace <clears throat> Uh, he worked at an electronic goods store and uh, started embezzling money from the from the uh, from the store, uh, constantly lying, lying to his wife. Um, and a lot of the, by the way, the reason that I'm telling you all this stuff is that I'm basically trying to <clears throat> um, show show what they showed in the courts as far as why this could have happened possibly. Mm-hmm. So um, and that's why I'm kind of giving you this build up here. Okay. Um. He's having trouble sleeping because of obviously the the stress from the, the situations that he's in. Um, it gets even worse because right when they're about to have the baby, um, he is fired from the job, and then they find out that he was stealing. So now they're being now he's getting charged with theft. So not only is he gambling away all their money, now he's this you know now he's been charged, and now he has to sell his house uh, to pay for it all. So <clears throat> he's not in a good spot. Um, he uh, he steals more money, um, uh, forging his wife's name on some documents, and basically digs himself deeper into this hole. Uh, eventually, having to go to the hospital because he starts complaining of chest pains. Um, they take the test. There's no problems that they can show, but obviously, clearly, this is having a physical effect on him. Um, he's 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 just not doing well. I mean, I, to me, that sounds like kind of like a panic attack, or at least the beginning of a panic attack. Yeah, you know. Um, now I'd like to say that in the beginning of the story, I meant to, to kind of mention this, but, um, he, he is very, um, uh, he has a very good, great relationship with his in-laws, with his, with his wife's parents. Um, when they were, before they were married at one point, she wanted to run away and he was able to kind of talk her back into going back home. And so that really put him into good graces with them. Uh, and then she, uh, uh, they got married. And so, you know, he was accepted family, obviously. But he was very, he had a very um, <clears throat> close relationship with the parents, and uh, mm. m- more so than his own family. Okay, so he 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 even didn't connect in a way that with his own family that he did with these guys. So, um, back to the story. He uh, he goes. To, he ends up going to Gamblers Anonymous, and they convince him that you need to to tell your family what's going on. Okay. Um, they're here to help you and they'll, they'll support you, but you got to tell them what's going on because otherwise you cannot move on from this, from this addiction. So he agrees. Um, and he, and he starts making plans to, to kind of talk to the family, to talk to his own family, to talk to her family and kind of get everything out in the open and start to, to, to repair this situation. Um, so he chooses, uh, May 24th, 1986 to, uh, to do this. Um, sorry, excuse me, May 24th, 1987. Sorry. Um, and he's going to do, he's going to do a talk with his, with his grandmother first. Uh, and then he, uh, the day comes and he, he tells her, I, I you know, I, I'm going to, he, he, he postpones it. He, he says that he can't do it and uh, he postpones it and his wife finds out about it. She's, she's upset with him. Uh, this is Saturday night, Sunday night, Sunday day is the day that he plans to talk with her family. So Saturday he was with his grandmother. He blows it off. Him and his wife argue. Um, they get into a big fight and then she has to leave for work. So she goes off to work and he, um, he's at home. Uh, by this point, she's had the baby. Um, baby's about five months old at this point. Uh, and, um, 
<clears throat> he watches the, the, the child. She, he puts her to bed. And around 11 o'clock or so, the, the wife comes back home from work. Um, and her and Kenneth sit on the couch and watch some TV. So they hang out, they watch TV, and uh, she she decides that she's ready for bed. Kenneth says he's going to stay up and finish watching Saturday Night Live. Um, and she says, okay, cool. So he, she goes off to bed, and uh, he watches TV until about 1.30 in the morning, and then he falls asleep. Um, <clears throat> sometime after that, uh, Kenneth uh, stands up, uh, walks across the room, puts his shoes on, grabs his car key, puts his jacket on, uh, grabs his car keys, goes into the garage, leaving the front door uh, open, uh, goes to the garage, starts up the car, uh, backs out of the uh, garage, but leaves the garage door open as well, and proceeds to drive uh, to his in-law's house, which is about 14 miles away. Um, when he arrives to her house, or to their house, uh, he opens the trunk of his car and he takes out a tire iron out, uh, and then goes over to the... Uh, down uh, to the door and uses his spare key to go inside the house. Uh, as he's walking through the kitchen, he picks up a, a knife uh, and walks up, uh, walks into the bedroom of his uh, mother-in-law, Barbara Ann, and his father-in-law, Dennis. Um, he proceeds to go over to Dennis and uh, starts to choke him and chokes him until he passes out and then walks over to his mother-in-law and he stabs her five times in the chest and neck and then he smashes her in the head with the, with the tire iron. Oh, God. Now, after this happens, Dennis wakes up. Now, I say that because apparently Dennis has been sleepwalking since he's fallen asleep on the couch or on the chair up until this moment that he has woken up and realized that he has blood all over himself and that he is standing in his mother and mother and father-in-law's house. Um... He goes to. Well, he hears he hears crying because the um, Barbara Ann and Dennis have two younger kids in the house. Uh, whether or not those were um, his wife Karen's little sisters or not, I don't know. They just said that they had two kids in the house. Um, and apparently, uh, one story was that he tried to go and calm them down and then left. Uh, the other story that I heard was that he was outside of their rooms grunting and making really heavy breathing noises uh, and then left. But either way, he did not go into their rooms. Um, he went out to his car, started up his car, and drove to the nearest police station, uh, banged on the door until somebody let him in. And when he walked inside, uh, he told them, I I think I've just killed somebody. And it oh, might have no. been my 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 I think it was my uh my my in-laws. So the police handcuff him, and mind you, at this time, um his he's he's bleeding profusely from his hands. They realize that he's sliced all of the tendons in his, one of his hands, the knife that he, the hand that he was holding the knife in must've slipped with all the blood and stuff. And he sliced his hand so badly that he was not able to actually use it, but didn't feel any pain when he, when he did this. Holy God. Yeah. <clears throat> this is a big fact that they brought up in court was that he wasn't feeling any pain. He didn't realize that he had done it. Um, and wasn't even really aware of what had, had happened. So the police go to check on, to see if that, this is true that he did attack his in-laws. And when they get there, they find um, Dennis on the floor, almost dead, uh, and the wife uh, deceased. So they call an ambulance, and both Dennis and uh, Kenneth are taken to a hospital. And uh, Dennis, the father-in-law, survives. And Kenneth has surgery on his hands to uh, repair his hands. Okay, so... Um, Kenneth is arrested, obviously. Clearly, he's charged with this, and they immediately start doing all these tests on him. They bring in um, all sorts of doctors, uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, um, sleep doctors, and they do all sorts of numerous tests. And about a year later, uh, almost to the day, uh, they end up having a, a court case, and his defense is homicidal somnambulism. I hope I'm saying that right. It's either some 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 nam or some nambulism. Yeah. Which is homicidal sleepwalking. Yeah. How have you heard it pronounced? Uh, I don't know. I know it from uh, the cabinet of Doctor Caligari, uh, which I just saw it. It's a silent film, so I just saw it like in text. 
<laughs> you know. Like somnambulism or somnambulism? Um, I don't know. Pat. S O M N A M. So Wait, sorry, how is it spelled? So S O M N A M. Or yeah, so Sonam or Sonam. Some 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 nam or some nom. Some nom. I don't know. Some nombalism. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. In that movie, that guy controls zombie and he's called a synombalist. So I don't know. 1920s are weird. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, basically the the um, the technological term for sleepwalking. Okay. so um, so he's he's brought to trial, of course, Um, he's brought to trial. Now he's he has separate trials for the murder of uh, uh, Barbara Ann and for the attempted murder of Dennis. Uh, woods um and so he goes so he he's um he has basically his his um uh defenses that i was sleepwalking i didn't i was not aware of what i was doing i was not uh conscious of the fact that i was trying to kill my family um and and that's my defense and of course you know it, it seems like a slam dunk thing especially with the fact that you know this guy is driving 15 miles to get to this destination that he had to, you know, put his shoes on, grab his car keys, do all of these things that yeah. you think take conscious thought to do. And yeah. <clears throat> so people think that it's going to be a slam dunk. And uh, the defense basically says that there's there's just a, a, a number of um, facts that are able to support his theory or his, his defense. Um, five doctors testify to this, that um, that stress obviously from the situation of the gambling and especially the immense stress of having to admit it to your to, to both your, your families um bef- the few days before this murder happened um he did not sleep uh, one night because of uh because of the situation of having to go to the gamblers anonymous and for them to tell the family mm-hmm. uh then they had the baby so the baby kept him up at night so there's a few nights of, of him getting little to no sleep at one point um, <clears throat> I, I think I forgot to mention this and I'm sorry, but, uh, after he argued with his wife, uh, coming back from, um, or f- from blowing off the grandmother, uh, he went and he played rugby with his friends. Okay. And it was a hot day outside. Mm-hmm. He played a really, he was not in, I don't want to say he's not in shape, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't uh, practicing, let's say all the time. So he just goes and he plays rugby with his friends for two hours and he's does a lot of a physical exertion from that very physical game. So yeah. that factored in that he is under a lot of physical distress because of the fact that he, you know, was this, that, uh, so lack of sleep history. Now also it was proven that he had a, a history of sleepwalking, uh, not only from himself, but in his family. So it was very well documented in his family that all these types of different sleepwalking, um, uh, what's the word, uh, ALTs or whatever, if you will, <clears throat> um, affected his family. And so this this was also another factor in it. Um, in fact, that when he was uh, when he was nine years old, sorry, eleven years old, uh, his uh, it, his brother uh, grabbed him before he jumped out of his own window. He was sleepwalking and he almost jumped out of a window. Oh my god! Uh, when he was eleven, so yeah, so he almost died there. I, I I paused there because at one point it was either his mother or his brother, but somebody had to stop him from jumping out of a window. So. Mm-hmm. Um, there was absolutely no benefit in his murder, the murder of his in-laws. Again, he, he had, uh, you know, they, they loved him. He loved them. There was no sort of, you know, monetary gain or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, they looked at that, you know, obviously, you know, oh, is, is he in the will or is he going to get money from this? None of that was present. Again, they had a fantastic relationship. So that was on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, he had been, again, uh, sleep deprived for about 48 hours before this event happened. Um, and they were saying that basically these three factors for somebody who is to be a known sleepwalker, these three factors severely affect the fact that this can, can put you into this state of mind, this consciousness, um, this level of, of sleep, uh, being sleep deprived for 48 hours, having the physical stress and having the emotional stress, those three things combined, they, the, they were able to prove in court that this was a possibility and that it was definitely a factor in um, what he did. And so he was actually acquitted of this murder of Barbara Ann. 
uh, from the courts. Now, um, he go, now goes to trial against the attempted murder of his father-in-law, Dennis, and same thing, he's acquitted again. So that's two times he's packed out, or he's, he's passed with this, with this uh, defense. Wow. Now, in Canada, apparently, um, the, the prosecution can appeal, which you cannot do in the United States. And the prosec- prosecution appealed, so he went back to court again, and again he beat it. So three times different juries acquitted him of this murder. They believed all of the facts that, that were presented. And so because of this... Kenneth James Parks was uh, was uh, free and clear of murdering his mother-in-law. That's insane. That's crazy. So, uh, him and Karen stay together for a little while after the trial, and then soon after he's acquitted, they they have to get divorced. Uh, you know, not have to, but they they decide that. Yeah. It you know you killed my mom once, and it almost killed my dad. I yeah. think it's, I think that we're done. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Uh, so he remarries. He ends up having five more children with another woman. Um, and the last known thing that basically kind of has come out of him is that at one point he ran for um, something on like a school board in Canada, you know, like a treasurer or something like that uh, on the school board. And he lost. And since then, he's basically stayed out of the public eye. Um, so yeah, that was very interesting to, for me, at least to kind of, um, it's funny because uh, T, I'm going to tease you a little bit about this, but again, you got the name wrong. And so when I was looking it up, it, oh kept, my God. it, it was a little, this one wasn't as bad. You just wrote Kenneth Park. And so I kept oh. typing that in and nothing would pop up. I realized it was just Parks with an S. Um, God, so, so it wasn't that big of a mistake. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I was just laughing. I'm like, she really doesn't want me to find out what my assignments are here. <laughs> I tell you, like, I do minimal research because I want to be, like, surprised, too, on these things. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so when I first saw this, I think I told you I had watched a, um, I, it was like a, one of those um, datelines about the, the sleepwalking murder. And it was completely a different yeah. story. It was nothing to do with it. So, so I, was, I was surprised to see that there's, I believe when I looked it up, something around, like, 98 known cases of this that oh have been God. not necessarily all proven that they were innocent, but have been used as they, that was the defense was I was sleepwalking. Well, I mean, once you find out that that works too, I mean, I'll bet there was a lot more instances. Right. You know yeah, but I mean? people like, oh, also shit, do some really crazy. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but yeah, people also do some really no, no, crazy stuff when sleepwalking. <laughs> you know. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I, I, I used to sleepwalk a lot, man, and I used to, I almost pissed in the dryer. I fucking put a bunch of tampons on the dining room table i told my brother that we needed to cross the bridge and i called him luigi <laughs> like there was a lot a lot of weird shit that i would do as a kid you know and i remember one one year like we you know convinced my dad to help us build like a tree house and he freaked out when when we were like, yeah, we're gonna camp out in it tonight. Night night. He's like imagining me like up there, like sleepwalking, walking around in a in a treehouse that's not exactly stable. Um, <clears throat> so it was definitely an interesting story. Um, to see how many people have used this as defense. I didn't really go into anybody else's story. I was just so surprised that he clearly was um was so adamant on proving that he you know that he did this unintentionally that it was never there was never any malice towards these people that he killed or tried to kill um so that was very interesting to see that uh, the fact that you know that that the jury three times believes him that was like you know clearly you didn't want to do this and you know it, it you were not in the right state of mind so uh they were also saying one other factor was that he never his story never changed they you know he talked to 15 different people and he always had the same story so you know all those factors combined were able to get him off the hook and uh there was a there was a re- like a really interesting doing research there was like a five minute um clip about some guy like a like a um his name was a uh, carlos uh schneck i think it was a schenick schenick something like that uh but he was a sleep clinician uh and he was giving give um he was giving like a kind of a uh 
speech or whatever to uh, a university and was talking about it and used Kenneth as as an example um, of something that could happen in your sleep. But uh, he it's only like five minutes long, but he tells the whole story really and uh, just kind of gives his viewpoints on, you know, he was heavy on the fact that he had sliced his own hand and cut his tendons in his hands to show that like he didn't feel any pain. He didn't even know what he was doing. Clearly, he was able to do these things without his hand bothering him. But if it was a normal person awake, you would have been in excruciating pain. Yeah. So, you know, things like that um, were very interesting to hear, uh, you know, and the fact that he that he was able to get away, not, not to get away with it because he didn't intend to do it, but that he was acquitted. You know, that was very surprising to me that that it worked. Yeah, that's that is crazy. That's, that's a yeah. Wow. So Kenneth Parks of Canada. Yeah. Nice. That's crazy. I know I've like sleepwalked before. Kenneth Parks with an S, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, have you ever slept like sleepwalked before, Jameson? No, but I'll tell you one thing that happened to me that, that was really funny. I was with my little cousin. Um she she's, you know, not little anymore, but I was uh I was with my with with her mother. And I think I told you the story, but she was, um, we were in bunk beds and her and her mother and I were on the lower bunk beds and she was on the upper bunk bed and uh, she was only maybe about eight or eight years old. And, um, we're talking and talking and, um, she was sleeping and we start hearing her kind of like talking in her sleep, like mumbling and kind of, it was building, you know, sometimes when people talk, I'm sure you've heard this before, but like, you know, people will be like kind of quiet and then they build and all of a sudden they're talking like full out loud voice. And you're like, yeah, what? Hello? Yeah, like you said, you know, you want to cross this bridge with me, Luigi? You know, and you're right, like, yeah, exactly. Say, and they're clearly they're sleeping, you know. Um, but she was doing that, and she started getting louder. So we kind of stopped talking. We and we both like rolled out from the underneath the bunks to look up at her, and she sat bolt upright in bed, looked at both of us, and then spit right in my face, <laughs> and then went back. <laughs> oh my gosh! And it was like it happened so fast that we were just like shocked, and we, you know, like. She just laid right back down and went right back to sleep like nothing happened. And like, we're both like, what the, what the hell was that? So we, we climb up to the top of the bunk and there she is just snoring away. Like, so yeah, so it was pretty crazy. I mean, she had a really rough childhood. She was, uh, she was a, um, uh, they adopted her from Columbia and she had a very violent uh, uh, childhood. So maybe it was something from that or whatever, but she straight up looked at me and went, right in my face (laughs) so but as far as that for me i've never i don't think i mean nobody's ever told me that but i don't think i've ever had an issue of that wow yeah what's the weirdest thing that's happened to you other than that do you you know is that the worst one the the yelling across the bridge sorry patrick oh Oh, no like yeah like the 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 thing i did the most was i used to get into the argument with the fans like (laughs) it was like really big fans like because it was hot as fuck in new mexico my dad never wanted to use the ac or anything so we had like giant fucking fans that and they would get like really loud and every time like i would wake up in a big argument with the fan like it was like it was a like it was so so pat is like Pat is really fucking rude in his sleep. I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> so many times I've been like waking up in the middle of the night. I've been like, Pat, I had a bad dream. And he's like, so? Like, straight up. I'm or what? The other day when I tried to wake you up to, to memorize our scripts and I, it was like already 11 a.m. You know, and I was like, Hey, you need to wake up so you can like get like two hours of studying in before, you know, we have to go to work. And he was like, uh, I didn't sleep last night. You need to wake up. <laughs> Classic. I, yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't, I don't. Leave me alone. It's 1130 a.m. No, well, you're like, like a total jerk in your sleep. Ever since I was a kid, I just never liked sleep. I always was afraid of it. I, always, I thought it was hmm. weird that you turned your bodies off. Interesting, you know, and because you have to turn your like consciousness off, and I don't know, that and was, you're like losing time too. Out, like that's a know? weird thing, and that's mm. like you know what probably caused me to have sleeping disorders, like sleepwalking. Huh. Interesting. But that's gonna our next uh, subject. Uh, we're gonna jump right into it. Why not? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. If you want to talk about it, 
Nobody wants to hear my weird sleepwalking stories, but that's cool. Please. I didn't Wait, think you had any. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, I didn't know. Like, oh, no. Yeah. Uh, like, I had a few times, but mostly they were, like, when I was sick as a kid. So, like, whenever I would have, like, a fever, uh, hmm. I would, like, have, like, waking sleep hallucinations. So, like, hmm. I remember a lot of them, but I would be, like, full-on, like, hallucinating, um, which I thought was, like, so weird. But it was definitely, like part being maybe medicated and part maybe having a fever but yeah yeah, I remember like seeing like things like I don't know it's really weird watching like in uh the queen's gambit when she's like watching the chessboard on her ceiling like I remember seeing like weird things on my ceiling like Mm. as I'm laying in bed looking up and I remember my mom being like, what are you looking at? What are you looking at up there? You're creeping me out, you know? Mm. Uh, so I must have been awake at the time, you know? But yeah, a few times, like, <laughs> like I remember one time my mom told me this story. And it's going to sound silly because I was like, I was like nine years old. And like, I had been sick. So I was like, sleep my mom would like put blankets on the side of her bed and I would just sleep on the side of her bed um you know like in between the closet and her bed and she said like one time I sat straight up and my mom was like what are you doing and I was and I was like I'm looking at Minnie Mouse she's like where's Minnie Mouse and and I'm like in her garden and (laughs) you know (laughs) like wow like sat in bed and like looking at Minnie Mouse. I don't know. Wow. That's weird. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Look at all the pretty flowers, Mom. <laughs> looking at Minnie Mouse. That's awesome. Mm. Oh my god. Yeah. So yeah, I went, uh, I'm going to talk to you guys about uh, sleep paralysis. Ooh, creepy! Something, something we used to talk about on the tour uh, at the Oban Hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's—I mean, very a lot of people are freaked out by this. But before I get into it, I got most of my information from VizzyHow.com, WebMD, National Library of Medicine, The Guardian, and I watched a documentary called *The Nightmare: Sleep Paralysis* documentary by Adam Gray. Shout out to Adam Gray. <laughs> um, but yeah, sleep paralysis is, if you're not, if you don't know, it's the f- feeling of being unconscious, but you cannot move. Uh, it happens when you're, ba- most of the times, it's re- recorded and reported most of the times to happen when you're in between stages of waking and sleep. You're not like usually waking up like this. It's usually as you're falling asleep. Um, usually there are, you know, a lot of these cases. Um, but when you're, when you're falling asleep, you, you eventually, your body falls asleep, but your brain stays awake, basically. Um, some people also feel pressure on themselves or the feeling of choking. Um, sleep paralysis also can be associated with other sleep disorders like narcolepsy and stuff like that. Um, it's um like there's 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 two types of sleep paralysis basically uh there's RISP which is recurrent isolated sleep paralysis uh is the chronic and each episode can last for about an hour or so uh sleep paralysis can occur when you are falling asleep or when you are waking up and one is hypnagogic and the other is hypnopompic um hypnagogic is when the hallucination uh, hallucinations are happening usually mm-hmm. um and then there's isolated sleep paralysis uh, much less common largely associated with the invaders and the incubus hallucinations uh some people believe these are actual experiences with the supernatural and the result of their absolute fear or just fear in general um so most of the most of the stories you hear of like evil ones are the isolated sleep paralysis. Hmm. Um, 
So I got, um, I wanted to look at the actual statistics of it. The study suggests that around 8% of the general population, 28% of students, and 32% of psychiatric patients have experienced sleep paralysis at least once. Uh, it's also reported up to as many as four out of every 10 people may have sleep paralysis or, you know, whether or not they've noticed it or not. Um, the common condition is first noticed in the teen years, uh, but men and women of any age can have it. Uh, it also may run in families. Like sometimes when people report it, having it, they find out later on that their uncle has sleep paralysis and then their uncle and their grandfather. Um, other factors just include, like you were talking about, like lack of sleep, uh, sleep schedule that changes. You have a mental condition or bipolar disorder that kind of kicks off the chemicals that, you know, are in your brain. Um, and sleeping on the back is mm. actually one of the biggest um, things that people say that um, causes sleep paralysis is just lying down flat on your back. Mm. Mm. Which is w weird because, you know, um, <laughs> I don't know if that's inviting it, but it's also like, it's kind of how I sleep sometimes. And I guess PJ is yeah. there usually. So. That's why I'm always <laughs> trying to tell you to sleep on your side, not, you know, not because you snore really loud and it's awful, but, <laughs> you know, so you don't have an incubus trying to suck your soul out. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Or sleep um, apnea. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. My dad had, um, and it's the craziest thing because he'll like he'll be quiet for like forty seconds, and you're like, you kind of lean over, like, "Are you still alive?" And then it's this huge gasp of air. You know what I mean? It's it's scary. Uh, that's that's you know? crazy. Because he'll do the, you know, he'll be he'll be you know, kind of doing the typical snore thing, and then it'll be, <clears throat> you know, it'll be there'll be a snore, and then there'll be silence for like. 45 seconds and you're like uh, are you gonna keep breathing and it also <laughs> yeah exactly and it's like a half half gulp of air half snore and then sometimes you know you wake yourself up like what the hell was that you know so have you guys ever done that before where you wake yourself up with a snore that's always fun um i'm sure i have i don't <laughs> you're like, you're I snore like, all the time. it's like the dog farting and the dog wakes itself up by farting yeah, it's like, right. yeah exactly <laughs> what was that noise <laughs> then i then i do two turns and then fall back to sleep <laughs> you lick yourself and go back to bed right <laughs> no, yeah. no but like uh i'll make like a small noise in the middle of the night and pat will like jolt up in the bed and go what what <laughs> And I'm like, dude, I'm was, sorry. Like, I, I'm just turning over, you know? <laughs> it was just a queef. God. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm working on my being a sleep asshole. Man, you oh, are. <laughs> you are a mean person when you're sleeping, Patrick. I know. God. I'm working on him. Um, you work on it. You're not even aware of it. I there's in my dreams I, I go and I fight him dream like the therapy. Matrix. It's, it's, <laughs> it's totally like the Matrix. He's the agent. <laughs> Not exactly Neo yet. I'm getting there. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, like I said, mostly it, it happens uh, to kids and teenagers, and they believe that it's because teenagers are i don't know like I, when i was in school like I, I went to a catholic school we did so much homework that i was like exhausted all the time like and you're constantly like <clears throat> you know sleeping for four hours and stressed out about all kinds of different things you know so they think they think that was one of the reasons that mostly it's in teenagers but it does happen to like you know what was it six to eight percent of the population at least once yeah i mean um kenneth i think was only 23 when all this went down that's crazy. So he was pretty young. Yeah. Um, it, uh, yeah, so it usually occurs uh, one of two times, uh, the hypnagogic or pre-dormital sleep paralysis. Um, and so with hypnagogic sleep, uh, as you fall asleep, your body slowly relaxes. Usually you become less aware, so you, do not, so you don't notice the change. 
However, if you remain or become aware while falling asleep, you may notice that you cannot move or speak. Sleepers who wake up paralyzed and are overwhelmed by an eerie feeling of the unexplained presence of a paranormal uh, entity of some kind or demon uh, accompanied by frightening creatures and the presence of ghosts. Hypnagogia is the term used to describe sleep paralysis with hallucinations. Another symptom is the sensation of heaviness or pressure on the chest area and consequently breathlessness. So what happens with hypnopompic is uh, during your sleep, your body alternates between uh, rapid eye movement and non-rapid eye movement sleep. So it's like one after the other. Um, the, for, the cycle lasts like 90 minutes. And during non-rapid uh, eye movement sleep, um, that takes up 75% of your sleep time. And the, your muscles are turned off during REM sleep. So that's kind of what people think is that you're going through this cycle and sometimes you're, you're not fully going through or you, you know part of your body's going through it, but your brain's not going through it kind of. Hmm. Um, sleep researchers conclude that in most cases, sleep paralysis is simply a sign that your body is not moving smoothly through the stages of sleep. Rarely is sleep paralysis linked to deep underlying psychiatric problems. Uh, it can happen regularly. Maybe uh, if, it, if it does, you should probably see a doctor uh, as an actual oh, thing to do. You know, this is good information. But if that, yeah, if this does happen to you a lot, see a doctor because it can be related to other sleep disorders like narcolepsy, sleep apnea, like you were saying. Uh, migraines, and other anxiety disorders. Hmm. However, uh, over the centuries, symptoms of sleep paralysis have been described in many ways and often attributed to an evil presence. Unseen night demons in ancient times, like the old hag in Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Hmm. Um, so this is, this is Romeo and Juliet, Act 1, Scene 4. Her chariot is an empty hazelnut made by the joiner squirrel of old grub. Time out, O oh mine, the fairies, coachmakers, and in this state she gallops night by night through lovers' brains, and then they dream of love on courtiers' knees that dream on a curtsy straight. O oh, lawyers' fingers who straight dream on fees. O oh, ladies' lips who straight on kisses dream, which off the angry mab with blisters plagues because their breaths with sweetmeats tainted are, sometimes she gallops o'er a courtier's nose, and then dreams he of smelling out a suit, <laughs> and something comes she with a tithe pig's tail, tickling a parson's nose as he lies asleep. Then he dreams of another benefice, something she driveth o'er a soldier's neck, and then dreams he of cutting foreign throats, of breeches, ambuscados, Spanish blades, of heaths five fathoms deep, and then anon drums in his rear, ear, <laughs> at which he shouts and wakes, and being thus frightened, swears a prayer or two and sleeps again. This is that very mab that plates the manes of horses in the night and bakes the L flocks in foul, sluttish hairs, which are once untangled, much misfortune bodes. This is the hag when maids lie on their backs that presses them and leans them first to bear, making them women of good carriage. This is she. Now, Patrick, you. I don't speak Thank Spanish, you. so could you translate that for me? Ambuscados, that means... It's um, Elizabethan? <laughs> no, the whole thing, what you just said, the it was Spanish. Thing, yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Uh, that was actually um, really good. But yeah, so that's uh, one of people always think <laughs> people always refer to that uh, as uh, one of the first kind of literary mentions, I guess, of of her. Um, Guy de Mosquin <laughs> mentions this in his novel Le Orla. I sleep for a while, two or three hours, then a dream. No, a nightmare seizes me in its grip. I know full well that I am lying down and that I am asleep. Um, there's also probably the most famous uh, image of uh, the most famous image that uh, shows sleep paralysis or that people always go to 
Um, that ding is me sending you that image. <laughs> uh, so if you guys look at your phone, you'll see the sleep demon, uh, which is perhaps most famously depicted in what is the nightmare. Uh, it's a 1781 painting by artist Henry Fuseli. Uh, <clears throat> so this is um, <clears throat> kind of another thing that people think is a demon, you know, representing fear mostly. Um, scary. Yeah, the image shows a woman draped across her bed in a restless sleep, and then a demon known as an incubus that's crouching on her chest, and a horse peeks at her from a nearby curtain. Fucking horse, man. Ooh, there is a horse back there. Fucking horses are creepy. I, I like that the, the demon's sitting at her is like, what are you looking at? Right, yeah, what are you looking at? Just because yeah, I'm going to do this uh, Cleveland steamer here on this girl's chest doesn't mean you got to watch me. Dude, I'm like deathly afraid of horses, dude. And like when I fucking researched that, I was like, only when I read the description, I was like, horse. I was like, what the fuck? And then I looked it up. I'm like, what the hell? Like, what? Um, two, so there's like a horse, and then there's a shadow of a horse behind the curtain, or is it the shadow? No, that's yeah. the, that's the horse. Yeah. Or actually, yeah, what is that? Oh, great. Because there's a the demon's head. That is a pretty freaky looking horse too. His eyes are all white. Right. God. Um, <clears throat> that was something that I used to see. That was one of my hallucinations, actually, was a, a cow that was asleep in my brother's bed. He would, I would just watch him snoring. Straight, wow. Straight up, yeah. Fucking <laughs> um, cow. Right. Yeah. You know, I had a dream like that. I, like, as a kid, like, I saw, like, I woke up and I looked at this teddy bear on my, like, sister's bed. I swear to God, it was moving, you know? But that's I think so that's, creepy. like... Yeah. A mix of like a child's imagination and like a waking dream, like when you are in between becoming awake, but you're still like having the dream hallucination, you know? Exactly. Yeah, I have those good. so much. Or I'll be like waking up mid conversation with you. It's, yeah. I don't know if you mm, noticed, right. but I play it off yeah. pretty well. Yeah. Patrick, <laughs> when was this painting made? Um, 1781. Uh, Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Right? I like that she's um, so, Sorry, go ahead. So, no, you're good. So yeah, so, so for some it's a demon. Basically, um, after reading a lot of people's act, because I read through a lot of people's, you know, this is what happened in my experience, you know, it kind of seemed like it was their fear, you know, for, for most of them. Um, for some, it's a faceless, shapeless presence trying to suffocate them. One of them actually was saying that the a lot of them actually reported it kind of as like a dark blanket that just came over them and just put them into darkness, um, which is fucking freaky. Uh, <laughs> others describe it as the old hag with claws. Some see an alien and believe that it's a full-on alien abduction. Uh, and for others, it's the demon. Or, and some people see their dead relatives. Mm. Uh, which is really creepy. Um, but such stories stretch back almost to the start of recorded history. Uh, the earliest attempts to seriously define the experience of sleep paralysis were made by the Greek physician Paulus Agnetia in the 7th century AD. Um, Agnetia coined the name Pan Ephialtes, 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 uh, believing to be the work of Pan, the fawn-like god of nature and the wild, leaping upon the chest of his unfortunate victim. Anglo-Saxon England was more preoccupied by the idea of witches descending onto their helpless sleepers trapped in their beds, uh, a concept which entered our, uh, you know, lexicon of verbiage through the word haggard, meaning to be ridden by the hag. Oh, that's what haggard means? apparently like yes. like you're being bothered by a, like a witch or something yeah yeah huh. interesting um different cultures have different explanations for their sleep paralysis uh visuals or whatever <clears throat> uh east asian sleepers see a ghost uh christians in the middle age would see a demon or succubus dreamers in zanzibar claim to have been attacked by a giant black bat called popo boa uh, it's known as ghost depression in China. Uh, it's mm. called Karabasan or the dark presser in Turkey. Uh, in Japanese folklore, it's a vengeful spirit that suffocates its enemies in their sleep called Kanashibari. 
and that means to be bound or fastened by metal strips. And that one's a really old one. That's like over 2,000 years old, apparently, mm. in their culture. Um, in Nigerian culture, a female demon attacks during dreaming and provokes paralysis. A modern manifestation of sleep paralysis um, is uh, the inability to uh, move during awakening state. So, um, oh, sorry. Sorry, I just repeated that. Sorry. Uh, in Brazilian folklore, the demon has a name called uh, Pisa de Ria, which is Portuguese for she who steps. Uh, she is a old crony with old crone, not crony, old crone with long fingernails who lurks on the rooftops in the night. Then she walks on the chest of people who sleep belly up on a full stomach. So that's like <laughs> that's like a thing now, like. <clears throat> That because apparently that's kind of the, a way to not have this experience is to not be sleeping on your back. Like that's a medical thing now, mm. uh, which is really interesting that it became part of their culture. Like don't eat a shit ton and then like that's like you know don't go swimming after you eat and after until thirty minutes. That's a Brazilian thing, by the way, and and a lot of Americans aren't aware of this, but in Brazil, the, the big meal is at lunchtime, and at dinnertime, they eat a very small meal. So That's I wonder right, how much yeah. of that has to do with that, um, if it's more of a traditional thing to just kind of keep your weight off and be a little bit more healthy, or if it was kind of a, you know, like a superstitious kind of thing, where, yeah, that makes you know, sense. Yeah. Oh, you know, so-and-so got, got, you know, ate a huge meal and then passed out on the couch on his back, and then, you know, that old hag got him. <laughs> right. Um, the Mera or nightmare comes from early pagan Europe, uh, which would be attacking and paralyzing people feeding on their souls. Um, they believe the first Mera was Lilith, the disgruntled first wife of Adam, who was sexually banished to make room for Eve. Uh, Lilith was revenged by crushing and sexually assaulting men in their sleep. And that's what they believe Lilith, uh, Jesus. demon is, I guess. Mm. Right. Uh, Rome had uh, well-documented epidemics of succubus, succubus attacks. There was a, yeah, it was actually documented, which is weird calling an epidemic, but there was quite a few reports of that. Um, the Salem witch trials were, some of them were convicted for conjuring the Mara, were executed there. Uh, Rhode Island... 19th century bodies were exhumed and they had their hearts cut out and buried to stop an outbreak of the Mara. Mm. Wow. Um, so it's like I was saying, like this, see, so you, you see, it's kind of in all of these cultures, it kind of seems like it's their culture's fear or, you know, their, you know, like whatever, whatever you would consider most evil, you know, it was, it was this, the reasoning is this, you know, I guess like, mm -hmm. like, um, but you know, also it's, it's also interesting knowing that a lot of them have, don't have actual cultural connections through time. So it did, it didn't just originate. And then someone repeated this story, you know, it kind of originated in several different areas, mm -hmm. you know, but whether or not, you know, we're just labeling the spheres, you know, something else. Um, so I getting mean, into kind of the, sorry. Oh, oh I was going to say, it sounds like similar ailments, but cultural ways of it, like explaining it, you know? Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. Cause clearly Not, this has been going on for a long time and everywhere. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, not just one, not just one culture or one continent. It's on, it's all over the place. And like, like Tia said, it's, it's, they're all just trying to explain it away. Well, it's gotta be this, it's gotta be that. But mm -hmm. that, that comes from religious fears or, you know, uh, like old stories and things like that, superstitions, whatever you combine mm -hmm. all that with the fact that what the hell is happening to us when I'm falling asleep and can't move. You know? And seeing but, something pressing right. on your chest. Yeah. Well, they, and it's weird because of the, you know, modern day medicine, you know, you'd think you'd, there would be less cases, you know, but there's obviously more now because there's more 
you know, it's, you're able to communicate easier now. True. Um, but it's also like, there's shil- still a shit ton of cases of this, of people like actually freaked out. And, <clears throat> you know, like one woman complained, you know, was talking about this black, large black dog that would attack her, you know, while, <laughs> while she was sleeping. And it was just like, that's like, you know, that's horrible, you know, whether or not it is like scientifically explained or not, you know, it's like, that's a horrible thing yeah. to go through all the time. And think about it. Every time that we're on a tour and you ask if anybody's ever had it, there's always at least two people on the tour yeah. that raise their hand, oh, yeah. exactly. if not more. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and it makes sense because we know so limited, so much, so little about the chemistry of our bodies and, you know, what, go, you know, what happens in our brains and, like there, are, there are yeah. some of the some of the ways of solving this are are literally you know go for a walk, it's change your sleep patterns. You know, like they literally know absolutely nothing about it. Yeah. Um, the the when I looked into uh, what was it the National uh, Library of Medicine, they had some like trials and stuff that they had done. Um, one of them was, uh, I'll kind of read it off to you. Uh, we explored the application of a wide range of sensory, sensory stimulation technologies to the area of sleep and dream engineering. Uh, we begin by emphasizing the casual role of the body in dream generation and describe a circuitry between the sleeping body and the dreaming mind. Um, uh, kind of basically explaining that is, you know, when, sometimes I would have a dream where I was falling and then I would wake up on the floor and notice that, oh, me falling kind of changed the trajectory of my dream to be falling as well. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, And that happens, you know, not frequently to me, but it's happened several times to me where, you know, an alarm clock will go off and it'll kind of coincide with something in my dream. Sure. Or you're listening to the TV. And right. You yeah. Exactly. And you realize your dream was like basically what was happening on TV. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, we suggest that nearly any sensory stimuli has potential for modulating experience and sleep. Considering other areas that might afford tools for engineering sensory content in simulated worlds, we turn to virtual reality. We outline a collection of relevant VR technology, including devices engineered to stimulate haptic temperature, vestibular, olfactory, and auditory sensations. So, yeah, basically this place is <laughs> building a VR set for, for dreaming. Wow. Um, but it's um, – so, yeah, like I said, like they really don't know much about it, but that's kind of – that was the, one of these theories is um, that it could be – yeah, not only your sleep disorder, but also uh, how you're sleeping, what happens while you sleep, what temperature you're in, what are you, what are you thinking about? You know, it's because we know so little about it, you know, but also the fact that people are having these hallucinations and things still, you know, is, I mean, you can't, there's no way you could debunk this, you know, because we know so little about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like because uh, i haven't had sleep paralysis but if i ever had that i would, I would freak the hell out you know like just sleepwalking is scary enough you know mm-hmm. Jameson, have, you, have you ever had it before sleep paralysis me no <clears throat> I, I never i never sleep on my back either so i'm wondering if that has a lot to do with it but i mean really honestly like any kind of supernatural thing i, I really am none of it <laughs> This was a uh, this was a quote from one of the uh, books that I had uh, taken information from. Uh, I had one patient who was lying in bed and woke up to see a little vampire girl with blood coming out of her mouth. Says Brian Sharpless, a clinical psychologist at Washington State University and author of the book Sleep Paralysis: Historical Psychological Psychological and Medical Perspectives. This is an example of a really vivid multi-sensory hallucination. She could feel this vampire figure grabbing onto her arms, pulling her, and saying she was going to drag her to hell and do all of these terrible things to her. It's like, it's weird, like, when they say, you know, it's weird when someone's like, I saw a shadowy figure, you know, but then it's weird when people are like, give you details that are like, that's so fucked up. Like, wow. Even creating that detail would be fucked up, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, 
but yeah, like there's uh, several different, yeah, everybody has like kind of like a different reason or a different fear, you know, that either could explain that or, or if it is a spiritual thing or demons, they could be doing the same thing, playing on your fear and using that against you. Yeah. But yeah, that's sleep paralysis. Um, good night, everybody. <laughs> Sweet dreams. Um, one thing they did say, like like I was saying, like they were talking about how you should, you know, sleep better and change your sleep schedule and make sure you don't have a mental disorder. Um, <laughs> most most of them were like, yeah, like things like that, do yoga type of shit. There, yeah. one of them was saying to train yourself to lucid dream which is something that I did when I was like 17 because I was like all into it. So, um, but that's like kind of when you take control of your dream, like when you realize you're dreaming. Mm -hmm. Um, but they, apparently if you learn how to do that, you can control, um, when, when, in when your body is conscious and not conscious. Wait a second, Patrick, were you a dream warrior? <laughs> warrior. That's so that's dope, dude. Better. He's a dream warrior. Um, every time oh, I lucid dream, it just wakes me up out of the dream. It's very disappointing. Well, it, I I only got like maybe like five or six really cool ones, you know, but because yeah. it because it, it does take a long time to like kind of realize, you know, like to remember, like oh okay. Yeah, mine's always like, wait, I'm dreaming. Whoosh, 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 <laughs> and I'm out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So, I have had sleep paralysis, but it's it's always been part of waking dreams, which I have a lot where I notice that, oh, hey, I'm dreaming or something's off or wait, this doesn't make sense. And then like I pull out of the dream and I'm halfway in between dream and awake. Um, so crazy. like that's when I've had like sleep paralysis where I'm like halfway awake, but I still can't move my body. And I'm like trying to wake up and it's taking me like 30 seconds to a minute to like gain function of my body again. It can be pretty scary, but. It was interesting. One guy was talking about how he like grew up with it and he started to just get used to it. And he would, he would treat it like a, Oh, I'm going to be out for like an hour. I better like, you know, listen to music in my head or something. You know, <laughs> it was like, he just, he like, dealt with it and made a game out of, it. out of it yeah i was like that's that's really interesting huh yeah that's what that's why i was just thinking it was like yeah it's like it's well i you know definitely can't judge it one way or not another because of the lack of any scientific evidence one way or another yeah you know um but it's just because i haven't had the experience for sure i can't i couldn't judge yeah creepy really creepy um, but yeah, that was uh, that was fun. Uh, Very interesting. That was, uh, was a creepy yeah. episode. Um, anything else to add? Should we wrap this bad boy? Uh, no. I next episode we're sleep. talking about some hunting. You're ready to go to sleep. Uh, so yeah, you cut out. Oh, I said I was. Out. I'm ready to go we'll to sleep. Guys. Do we lose Tia? I'm here. It's cool. Oh, there she is. I just got you guys. <laughs> okay. uh, what? Thanks a lot, you succubus. Yeah. Wait, incubus or succubus? What's the yeah. girls are incubus? I don't know. Girls can be anything, okay? <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me I can't be a succubus. I can be a succubus, okay? <laughs> exactly. Um... um yeah. yeah. On next next week. Uh, who wants to end this thing? <clears throat> um. So. Yeah. Oh, Patrick. By the way, <laughs> I sent you a uh, a picture of your nightmare. I don't know if you saw it. I, I sent you back. Oh, oh yes. Speaking of that, he sent you a picture of a cat sitting on a person's chest. That's the same thing. <laughs> Well, but okay hold on hold on i was like looking into some of this stuff while, while you were talking about it catalonia a region in spain has a tale of a pesanta what did how did you pronounce it pesanta 
I don't sure. Anyways, this place is called Catalonia, which I think is ironic or uncanny. Um, has a pacenta, a black animal, often a dog or a cat that invades people's <laughs> homes and sits on their chest while they are asleep, making it difficult to breathe and causing nightmares. Uh, so, yeah, it's just, it's just a cat coming in, trying to get warm on your chest, and, you know, they make it hard for you to breathe a little bit. Yeah. Get over it. <laughs> Giant orange cat sitting on Patrick's chest. <laughs> With green eyes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, well, thank you guys for listening to Hollywood's Haunted, the podcast. Uh, if you want to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash hhthepodcast, you catch all of our random shenanigans, live videos, and soon future ghost investigations, probably, maybe. Please send us emails on your experience. I will be reading emails later on next season. That's true, uh, yeah. do that. Hollywoodshaunted at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Sweet dreams. Yeah. Peace out. Sweet dreams. Bye, guys.